0: Listening to InsuranceRadio.com. We sit down for personal conversations with the top insurance and financial advisors, executives, and regulators. Listen in to learn more about their ideas and personal stories at InsuranceRadio.com.
1: Today, our guest is David Jones, the Commissioner of Insurance for the State of California. Mr. Jones was elected in 2010 and assumed command of the California Department of Insurance in January of 2011, where his agency oversees all aspects of insurance regulation and consumer protection for all Californians as it relates to their insurance transactions. Previously, he served in the State Assembly and in the Sacramento City Council. During the Clinton administration, he was also chosen to be a White House fellow and served as counsel for the then Attorney General, Janet Reno. He earned his undergraduate, Degree from DePauw University in Greencastle, Indiana, the Harvard School of Law, as well as a master's in public policy from the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. He now lives in Sacramento with his wife and two children. Please welcome to our program Commissioner David Jones. Thank you. Say, I noticed in your bio that you got your undergraduate degree from DePauw University. How in the dickens did you get all the way from California out to uh, Greencastle, Indiana?
0: Well, first, I ended up in Cambridge, attending law school and public policy school. And there I fell in love with the woman who's now my wife. And not only was uh, that the best thing that happened to me at law school and public policy school, but she was also a Californian. And so she introduced me to California and I haven't looked back since.
1: I uh, say so prior to becoming insurance commissioner, you served on the Sacramento City Council and the California State Assembly. Uh, From those experiences, what do you feel best prepared you for your decisions that you now have to face as commissioner?
0: Each of those jobs involved some element of consumer protection, which is the core of what we do here at the Department of Insurance. Under my administration, our mission is insurance protection for all Californians. That has two facets. One is consumer protection. The other is making sure that we have healthy, dynamic, robust insurance markets offering insurance products to meet all of Californians' individual, family, and business needs. So each of those prior positions had some element of consumer protection. They also were positions where you had a lot of interaction with the public, and that's been very helpful to me in my role as insurance commissioner as well. And they acquainted me with different levels of decision-making and policy-making in California, and that's been very, very helpful too.
1: You were elected in 2010 and and then assumed office uh, for the first time in January of 11. Uh, What made you take the next step in wanting to be the Commissioner of Insurance in California?
0: When I served in the State Assembly, I had the opportunity to do a lot of work around consumer protection. I served as the chair of the Assembly Judiciary Committee and then later as the chair of the Assembly Health Committee and did a fair bit of work around health insurance and health markets reform. That uh, piqued my interest more broadly in the area of insurance regulation. And uh, when I was considering what I might do to be able to continue my public service, I recognized that the Office of Insurance Commissioner provides a tremendous opportunity to help Californians and help California in a very, very concerted way. At the same time, the uh, reform we now know as the Affordable Care Act was uh, being considered, and I saw the office as an opportunity to participate in what is truly a historic change in the way in which we deliver health insurance in California across the United States. So all of those things came together and uh, caused me to decide to run for the Office of Insurance Commissioner in 2010.
1: Hey, let's uh, kind of shift gears to some issues that we read about in the newspaper now and and, and online and uh, as you're one of the regulatory agencies with some responsibility for ride hailing, uh, can you describe uh, the department of insurance role uh, in that realm of of uh transportation network companies? I guess we read of it as ride sharing, but it's but it's uh, formally defined as transportation network companies or TNCs.
0: Yes, this refers to companies like UberX, Sidecar, and Lyft, in which individuals who own or lease a car can participate in providing rides to people for a fee using a technology that involves one smart device. This can be very convenient, provides a revenue stream for the drivers, is a important demonstration of a new business model and disruptive technology that is the hallmark of California's economy. But at the same time, it poses new risks and new potential threats to consumers. The California Department of Insurance has played a national leadership role in identifying where there are potential threats to consumers, where there are gaps in insurance, and then making sure that policymakers and legislators and the market is moving to address those insurance gaps. What we discovered very early on, and uh, tragically so, was that the auto insurance policies, the personal auto insurance policies of individuals who are driving for the transportation network companies had a livery exclusion in them that made coverage unavailable and so everyone driving for these companies had no coverage not just liability coverage but their comprehensive coverage their collision coverage their med pay coverage their underinsured and uninsured motors coverage all the coverages that people buy for themselves their families and for their automobiles were not in force because of these livery exclusions new year's eve 2013 a family was run over in the East Bay in California. Uh, a family was crossing the street in the crosswalk, and an Uber X driver ran that family over and killed outright a little six-year-old girl named Sophia Liu. So this underscored the kind of risk posed by this new technology and this new business model. We responded very aggressively at the department by holding public hearings to gather information from all stakeholders about where there were insurance gaps. I made a series of very strong recommendations to the Public Utilities Commission here, which regulates these companies, that they require a million dollars in liability coverage uh, for all periods in which this particular conveyance is occurring. The PUC picked up a large share of our regulation, our, our regulatory uh, proposals, uh, then the Conversation moved to the legislature, and we were involved in making recommendations there that resulted in the passage of a bill, Assembly Bill 2293, which encompassed these recommendations in law. So now in California, at least, uh, when you're uh, stepping into one of these uh, automobiles that's being driven as a part of this ride-hailing service, uh, you can rest assured that there's a million dollars in liability coverage that the transportation network company has to have from the moment you step into the car to the moment you step out. But even beyond that, we were successful in getting into the legislation a requirement that the transportation network companies provide uh, up to uh, $300,000 in coverage for the period of time in which the driver is driving around looking to pick up a ride. And that's important too, because it was in that very period that the Lou family was run over in the East Bay on New Year's Eve 2013. So we're very pleased with the leadership role we've played in addressing uh, this uh, important consumer protection issue, but at the same time, making sure uh, that uh, this new business model uh, and this new technology could develop, but could develop in a way consistent with consumer protection. We've also played an important leadership role nationally. I chair the uh, Shared Economy Working Group of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, Uh, And under um, our leadership, we have developed a white paper which lays out all of the insurance issues associated with this new technology and this new business model. And we made that white paper available in record time so that as legislatures across the United States are considering what, if any, steps they want to take in their states, they've had that information available to them.
1: As far as uh, private insurers or commercial insurers, what have insurance companies, how are they responding, and are you seeing new new products coming down the pipeline that are addressing these ride-sharing issues?
0: Well, this is another uh, exciting element of this and another area in which the California Department of Insurance has played a leadership role. The legislation I alluded to, Assembly Bill 2293, uh, provides that in July 1st of this year, uh, the department... uh, should be accepting, if the carriers file them, insurance policies that would be made available to drivers uh, so that they could obtain coverage uh, in this period of time where they're uh, trolling around looking for rides and potentially beyond that. Well, well in advance of that deadline in October of last year, I announced the department was uh, eager to receive those filings. We reached out to the auto insurance industry and invited them to make filings. Uh, We approved the first of those transportation network company related filings about two months ago. And then just the other week we approved uh, the first major national auto insurer, farmer's auto insurances policy for transportation network company drivers in the first period. So we're very excited about the approval of these two policies and we're encouraging other companies to come in and write insurance as well. Uh, part of our mission, again, insurance protection for all Californians, is making sure that there are products in the market that address dynamic and evolving business practices. And this is an example of exactly that, where the Department of Insurance has played a leadership role in making that happen.
1: You know, shifting gears just a little bit uh, to a topic that we haven't, has been kind of dormant for a few weeks here, but I know it's going to come back in the news here in June as the Supreme Court makes their ruling. Uh, The Affordable Care Act had a significant impact on all Californians. It expanded health insurance to people who have been historically underserved uh, by the health care system. And, uh, of course, you uh, played an important role in implementing that Affordable Care Act. Can you tell me more about uh, your efforts and, and role with regard to the ACA?
0: In California, we've gone all in. We're implementing each and every component of the Affordable Care Act, whether it's the expansion of Medicaid or what we call Medi-Cal to single individuals who were previously ineligible for that and getting them signed up. We signed up something on the order of roughly 2 to 3 million additional individuals in our Medi-Cal program because of the Affordable Care Act. Or the establishment of an exchange, an online market where individuals can go to buy private and small employer commercial insurance with a subsidy in the premium price for those that meet certain income levels. We've established all of the market reforms, banning insurers from discriminating against people due to pre-existing condition, making sure that all of the essential health benefits are included in the policies, eliminating the ability of health insurers and health plans to rescind policies when a person actually makes a claim. The list goes on and on and on, banning the inclusion of lifetime and annual caps in the policies, and other important reforms. Our role at the Department of Insurance and my role as commissioner has been to work closely with other California agencies and collaborate in the implementation of these reforms. So at the department, uh, we have sponsored legislation. We have issued regulations, including from the very moment I was sworn in as insurance commissioner uh, on January 5th, 2011, Uh, When I was sworn into my first term, I issued an emergency regulation implementing an important feature of the Affordable Care Act, which is the requirement that a certain percentage of the premiums that are collected go into actual medical care instead of profits and overhead and administrative costs. And so from the very start of my administration, we've been very robustly active in issuing regulations, sponsoring legislation, uh, doing everything we can to successfully implement the Affordable Care Act here in California.
1: Now, a big part of your uh, department and staff is involved in finding bad apples in the state. And uh, I understand that insurance uh, fraud is a multi-billion dollar criminal enterprise here in California. And every consumer, of course, pays for that fraud uh, through higher insurance premiums. Can you tell me more about what the Department of Insurance is doing with regard to enforcement of and uh, reducing insurance fraud?
0: We're a law enforcement agency. I have 400 professionals who work for me. Uh, who investigate insurance crimes. 200 of those are sworn peace officers. Um, Our mission uh, in this regard is very clear. Uh, Where there are insurance crimes committed, we will investigate those crimes and work closely with the District Attorneys of California to prosecute them. Uh, In that effort, I distribute about $55 million a year in grant funding to the District Attorneys to help them pay for the cost of the prosecution of the crimes That we investigate. Under my administration, uh, our department alone has arrested about 3,500 individuals committing insurance crimes in my first term. Another 3,500 or so uh, have been arrested by other allied law enforcement organizations. Uh, So in concert, about 7,500 arrests, roughly the same number of convictions in that period of time as well. Insurance fraud is not a victimless crime. It adds costs to our economy. It undermines the uh, competitive position of legitimate players in the economy. Insurance fraud takes a number of shapes and forms, whether it's workers' compensation fraud, where <clears throat> excuse me, an injured worker will fraudulently claim that they were injured, or an employer will misclassify employees and avoid their obligation to get workers' compensation insurance, or a medical provider will cheat uh, and Provide uh, billing requests for services that they truly didn't provide. <clears throat> there is auto insurance fraud, life insurance fraud, health insurance fraud. It's a multi billion dollar illegal enterprise and it undermines our economy. But beyond that, <clears throat> it's also not victimless in the following sense it also can be very corrosive to our very system of democracy. Uh, perhaps the most notorious example of this involved the CEO of a major Southern California hospital who embarked on a conspiracy uh, to defraud workers' compensation insurers, $500 million in workers' compensation fraud, uh, the biggest uh, case of its kind. Uh, What occurred was uh, this individual uh, set up a company uh, which purchased spinal implant hardware and then marked up the price of that hardware to his own hospital and performed surgeries on injured workers backs at the hospital and marked up the price of the surgeries as well as the spinal implant devices and passed all of those costs onto workers compensation insurers. He decided he was making so much money that he would turn it into a volume business and he began to kick back substantial sums of money to physicians to refer more patients to his hospital for surgeries. That's illegal. Uh, We commenced a a very rigorous investigation, uh, put together all the evidence to uh, prove what I've just described, and then worked closely with the United States Attorney in Los Angeles. That resulted in a a federal plea agreement by the hospital's CEO and owner, in which he pled guilty to several federal counts of fraud. Uh, But in the course of that investigation, we also discovered evidence that he was bribing a public official to prevent the passage of legislation that would create a price cap for these surgeries. When we discovered this, uh, we reached out to our partners at the Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, and worked collaboratively with them to put together uh, evidence uh, that resulted in the federal indictment of former Senator Ron Calderon, uh, who uh, will have his day in court uh, and is defending against these allegations uh, but the allegations are that he accepted bribes uh in furtherance of this worker's compensation insurance scheme as well as bribes in other contexts as well so this particular case, there are others as well, demonstrates that not only does the fraud undermine our economy and drive up costs for others who are purchasing workers' compensation insurance, but it's corrosive to our very system of democracy and we go after fraud very, very aggressively. Uh, It will continue to be a a priority in my second term.
1: Moving uh, to a topic that's uh, not man-made, and uh, that's uh, something that's inevitable here in California, and that's earthquakes. You uh, mentioned in your inaugural speech that one of the things that keeps you up at night as insurance commissioner is earthquakes and making sure Californians are ready for the next big one. Uh, Can you tell me what role uh, you're taking to help prepare Californians for such a contingency?
0: California faces an extraordinary high risk of earthquake and extraordinary high risk of a very, very severe earthquake. One of my roles is to sit on the board of the California Earthquake Authority, which issues a residential earthquake insurance product that we offer to homeowners. As insurance commissioner, I've worked hard to do everything we can to try to reduce the price of that product. We've had two separate price decreases over the last four years of 10 percent and 12 percent respectively. Uh, In addition, uh, we've done some things to try to make the policy more flexible uh, and more accessible to homeowners. But the reality is that because of the risk and because of the cost of an earthquake, it's a fairly expensive policy. So we continue to do what we can to make sure that that policy is available. But at the same time, on a, a separate but related track, we're working to try to do everything we can to convince homeowners to take steps to protect their homes from earthquake. We have about a million homes that were built prior to the 1970s that are not built to modern seismic building codes. Uh, Many of these homes are not tied to their foundations. They sit up on what are called cripple walls, which are essentially um, wooden structures on which the house sits, which can collapse or move dramatically in the case of an earthquake and cause severe damage to the home we are heavily supporting a program called Brace and Bolt to make subsidies available to homeowners we've begun pilot projects in northern and southern california with the brace and bolt program and i'm supporting legislation and a line item in the budget this year to increase funding for this program so we can expand it to more california so these are some of the steps we're taking to do what we can to try to make sure that californians are doing what They should do to mitigate the risk of harm of an earthquake.
1: You've got a couple of constituencies in California. Of course, first is the consumers and the protection of them, but also you have uh, literally thousands of insurance producers in the state. If you had a chance just to spend or send a message out to each consumer in the state, what what message would you want uh, consumers in California to understand uh, and know about the department?
0: We urge consumers to take advantage of the resources of the California department of insurance, whether it's going to our website, which is insurance.ca.gov or calling our hotline 1-800-927-4357. If you have questions about insurance, if you are in a dispute with your insurance company, if you believe uh, that you have evidence of fraud, if you've been defrauded, uh, call us. Uh, we have uh, agents uh, of the department uh, online, uh, at the phones, taking those calls. We receive about 170,000 calls a year, uh, and we're eager to help Californians with their insurance challenges. And we also license, as you mentioned, about 360,000 agents and brokers. And the lion's share of those men and women do a fantastic job providing important trusted advice to individuals and families and businesses about their insurance need. Uh, My message to the insurance producers would be to follow the law, adhere to the highest ethical standards of your profession, uh, and uh, if those in the profession don't do that, then the Department of Insurance will hold them accountable, uh, including uh, investigating them criminally and working to prosecute them, because we want to make sure that the 99.9% of the producers and agents who are doing the right thing are not undermined by the handful that are doing the wrong thing.
1: Well, uh, before we go, and uh, I'd like our listeners to know a little more about you personally, uh, where did you grow up? I, and of course, you're uh, here now in Sacramento, but did you grow up in Northern California? Or
0: I, I didn't have the good fortune of being born in California. Uh, I immigrated here. I was uh, raised outside of Chicago in a suburb uh, on the southwest side of Chicago.
1: And uh, what was, uh, when you uh, were growing up, uh, what would have been one of your first jobs?
0: I worked as a page in a library putting books away. And I loved that job because I could sneak off into the stacks and read uh, at, at uh, to my heart's content uh, as long as I put enough books away. Uh, during the course of the time I was at the library.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now, When you were growing up, uh, what kind of work did your parents do?
0: My dad was a human resources manager and my mom was a homemaker.
1: Yeah. Uh, What was some advice maybe that uh, your mother or father or grandparent or mentor gave you growing up that you find that's still applicable today?
0: The two most influential people in my life were my grandfather and my father. Both of them were very civic-oriented people. They believed in the importance of giving back to the community. Uh, They uh, loved this country. Uh, They loved uh, the benefits that it had given them uh, and their families. And they taught us the importance of giving back, uh, either uh, as volunteer or in charitable ways or uh, serving uh, the public. And uh, both of them did exactly that. My grandfather um, helped to form a credit union, uh, helped organize the teachers in his community, was very active in civic affairs. My dad uh, served on a local school board, not because he had ambitions for higher office, but because his kids went to the public schools and he thought it important <clears throat> as a parent to participate in the leadership of the public schools. So that uh, ethos of public service was something that I learned from both of them and something that I've taken uh, to heart in the course of my life and my career.
1: Commissioner Jones, uh, thank you very much for taking time to visit with us today, and uh, have a have a great uh, afternoon of meetings.
0: Thank you very very much. Appreciate your taking the time to come meet with us. Oh hi! You're still listening. Well. Here at Insurance Radio, we love having personal conversations with the most successful executives and regulators in the financial industry. If you know an individual who you think would be a great guest for our program, you can find our email and phone number at our website, insuranceradio.com.